Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It's 105 at Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer with you, along with Brendan Escott. Oilers Now is brought to you by Digitex. Digitex.ca is Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office technology and software. You can uh, text us on the Ashley Fine Floors text line. Get the new floors you've always wanted. Ashley Fine Floors, 143rd Street, 111th Avenue. Open Monday to Saturday, and you can reach us on the River Cree Resort and Casino Hotline, which is where we're going next. The River Cree Resort and Casino Excitement Bet on it as we hook up with the Culto hockey writer for the Edmonton Journal, who uh, does some great feature writing as well, David Staples. Hello, David. How are you? David, are you there? Yeah, hey, Bob. There you go. How you doing, my man? I'm good. Good, very good. Uh, interesting times, to say the least, especially down south. Uh, I don't know if you've heard, but multiple reports uh, from yeah. the Athletic are suggesting that the Calgary Flames have been informed by Matthew Kachuk that he will not be signing there long term. This on the heels of the Flames losing Johnny Goodrow to Columbus? Um, well, I'm going to make a prediction, Bob, that the Oilers will keep their core together where the Flames didn't. You believe the Oilers will keep their core together? So yeah. you're you're saying McDavid, Drysaddle, and Nurse? And nurse, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, uh, I hope you're right, and team <laughs> success is going to play a part of it. Uh, Darnell Nurse, you know, there was a lot of criticism out there for the eight-year extension, but those three guys are pretty tight, and uh, they're pretty good too. Are is it kind of shocking that this has happened, David? When you think about the Flames being up. You know, winning game one nine six in the opening game of the round two of the playoffs, and being up you know three one in game two, you're thinking, you know, it, it's kind of hard to believe that this could all come to fruition in a span of mere uh, you know a couple months, isn't it? I mean, it is shocking, and um, I just wonder, I wonder, I wonder a number of different things. You know, uh, if the if the Flames beat the Oilers, and um, if it's reversed and the Flames beat the Oilers in five, and they're the dominant team in that series, and look like they're going to be the dominant team going forward, does that change anything? Because from reading what Johnny Gaudreau said in the Players' Tribune today, he was really on the fence. He was really torn by this decision. Yeah. And, um, you know, family decisions, family personal factors made a huge factor in it. And the fact he was so far away from his family, which was greatly exacerbated by, 
by COVID and the border controls. So I also wonder, no COVID, no really tough flying, impossible flying for a while, still really tough flying. If that didn't play a factor, you know, See, suddenly you don't feel like you're close to your family because you can't get there quickly. So I, that, I wonder about that too. So he brought that up in the, like he brought up the importance of family. Like I, I think it's worked to the owner's advantage in the case of Ryan Nugent Hopkins as an example. Uh, because people that are important in Ryan's life uh, live very close to Edmonton, are within, you know, an hour drive of Edmonton. And uh, I think that worked to the Oilers' advantage in terms of a contract extension uh, for Nugent Hopkins, who, depending upon the game, is, you know, he's certainly one of the Oilers' top five forwards. So it's funny, David, because when you mention stuff like uh, there's a segment of the population that think it's complete BS, that it's not that much to overcome and deal with flying into this country or coming into this country. There's, they're like, come on, it's completely overblown. It's not that bad. Um, but there are, you know, people are allowed to have different opinions on this topic. So it, it is, I, I, by the way, I incorrectly stated, David, that uh, Frank Cervelli, who we have on at 135, that he wrote a piece on the challenges with the Canadian markets. It was actually Scott Burnside from the Daily Faceoff that's written it. He has listed Canadian COVID policies and taxes being two significant factors. I just don't think there'd be any doubt about that. If you've been living with that, that has got to be a huge factor. And, you know, I think there's a lot of Canadians who are, when they answer that question, there's some motivated political thinking behind it. And I'm probably guilty of the same bias, but in the other direction, where I'm going to be more critical of the border controls that have been put in, because I don't believe they're based in science anymore, and and they're, they're endlessly bureaucratic and cause a lot of trouble. But Ryan Whitney, who flew through Toronto, he didn't have an axe to grind. He's just a guy from the States who wants to get around. And he blew the finger on an international embarrassment, I think, Toronto International Airport. So I don't, I don't think he's biased in any way. He's just telling it like it is. And, and we have a problem here in Canada with um, travel. It's a big problem, and it's got a way on the American players. You know, as for the Oilers, Bob, you know, I, I agree with you that team success is going to be the the main factor, whether the Oilers can keep the old gang together. But I think it's coming. I think they're going to have that kind of team success. They've also got an owner who's willing to spend to the top of the cap. You know, the last time the Oilers had a great team, they didn't have that owner with the financial wherewithal to keep the team together. I think that the 1980 Oilers would have stayed together. Um, The draw of friendship and of winning more would have kept them all together if not for Parklington um, selling Gretzky and then selling Messier, needing the money. That's not going to happen this time. So if the Oilers can get some, some uh, a Stanley Cup win or two in the next few years, and I think that's entirely possible, at least one, I think the draw of winning more, of winning uh, more cups with your best friends in the organization that's uh, believed in you the whole way, if the Oilers treat these guys well, I think that's going to be enough to keep this group together, at least for, you know, when Dreisaitl signs his next contract because he's next up. You know, maybe he won't sign the eight-year deal, but maybe he'll sign for four more years or five more years, uh, you know, for the window when they can really compete and see how it goes. So I think it's going to be long enough that um, we're going to see this team together for for quite some time. It's interesting you mention uh, ownership. Full disclosure, I work for the Oilers Entertainment Group. But in December of 2007, at a time in which Daryl Gates was putting together bids to purchase the team, we had Wayne Gretzky on my own show in Total Sports, and uh, I, I walked, Wayne was coaching the, the then-named Phoenix Coyotes, and I walked Wayne down the path of, you know, there's concern here in Edmonton, the Edmonton Investors Group, you know, there's 
30 plus individuals I think initially there was 38 they were down about 33 or 34 a couple had passed away uh, between 2000 and, and 2008 and I said there's concern about one individual owner because of what happened Wayne with Peter Pocklington and he, and he cut me off he didn't even let me finish he goes that's not happening here you're talking yeah. about somebody that has a different vision different wherewithal and we've seen that I mean look at the building situation in Calgary that the, the, it's it's not the saddle dome it's the saddle dump and and there it is it is despite their best efforts they have good people working around their building but they're undermined by the fact that they have an old building that's gone through a flood okay and and then they got i thought they had a building deal and it got knocked off the rails so there's that factor as well and it just, you know, Ottawa's going through it as well on a building front. It, there's a lot of hurdles in Canada that aren't necessarily there in some of the American markets. You know what I mean, David? There was a lot of hurdles in Edmonton, Bob. There was a huge fight with a major vested interest in Northlands uh, in getting the downtown arena built. And full disclosure, I don't work for Darrell Cates, although many people have accused me of that, uh, because I fought so hard for that arena project. But I, I work for the people. I work for Edmonton. And I'm a huge Oilers fan, so I want what's best for the team as well. And what was best for Edmonton, what is best for Edmonton, was that arena. And getting an arena where the players, uh, you know, which is at least at the, in the, you know, top tier of NHL arenas or near the top um, in terms of player amenities and um, the whole facility, that's important, having the practice rink right at your, at your arena like many other NHL cities. The Oilers are in a market where they're competing for players who have all of these luxuries in at least half of the other cities. So you better have them too if you're, if you, if you're in Edmonton a little bit out of the way, a little colder, then you can compete. And, you know, the, the example I like best is Manchester. They have two of the best football clubs in the world, Manchester United and Manchester City. It's a cold northern industrial city in England, and yet they're able to attract players from all over the world there consistently because of the winning atmosphere, the first-class organization. they got everything going for it. So the Oilers, teams like Edmonton and Calgary, they need everything to be running on all cylinders, everything to be really strong. And if that's the case and they treat the players well, they can keep their teams together. And you know, it hasn't. It wasn't the case in Canada because of the COVID regulations. Because in the arena in Calgary, subpar. These are things that might have weighed on Johnny. You know, his decision looked like a 51-49 decision. So if you if you weighed it a little differently, maybe he's a Calgary Flame. Yeah, uh, and here's where I remind the listeners: uh, the NHLPA ranked members of the NHLPA ranked the best visiting dressing room. Guess who came number one? Rogers Place at Edmonton came in number one. He, the, the little things you do. Uh, you know, so, and then the, the players on the orders sit there and say, oh, yeah, you think that dressing room's nice. You should see our dressing room. All right, let's get to some quick hitters, David. Hey, just, Bob, quick, just quick shout-out to Barry Stafford on that because I believe, in my understanding, is Barry was in charge of looking at dressing rooms around the league, and he was the guy, one of the guys integral to having yep. that dressing room the way it is. Here we go. Uh, so we're still waiting on the restricted free agent front. Uh, not a lot of movement at all around the league at this stage. So give me an interim grade on uh, Ken Holland's body of work this summer. I'm going to give Ken Holland an A. Uh, he, I, you know, if you're, the Evander Kane signing is an A+. Um, 
you know, the the way Holland handled that from day one to the day he inked the long, Kane inked the long-term contract at a, at a bargain rate in Edmonton, Holland handled that masterfully by treating Kane with respect and by um, doing everything he could to help facilitate that deal being signed here, including Kane go out on the market earlier, which both helped him suss out the market and also helped, I think, in his arbitration case. You know, Kane can now make the argument he mitigated any damages uh, to him that the, the, the San Jose had made by voting that contract by doing all he could to maximize his income. And this is something that arbitrators often look at, is, uh, is that kind of thing. So he did everything he could to find out what market value was for himself, and, he, and uh, Ken Holland helped in that. The Kulak, um, the Kulak deal is, you know, it's probably an A minus, um, just because Kulak's not as significant a player. But this is a very good player heading into his prime years at a at a bargain rate. I mean, this could be like a year from now. We're all over the moon over the Cody Cece signing. This could be very similar to that if Kulak steps up in a similar way to Cece, and I think that's a real possibility. You know, the Campbell signing is it's more because of the term and the salary. It's more like a C plus B minus. But they did get a very attractive goalie um, long-term in Edmonton, and other teams wanted Jack Campbell. So, you know, that because of the term and contract, you know, that's not a – you just never know how these kind of contracts are going to go, but I, I think that was okay. Overall, I'm going to give Holland an A, and, a, and a, now a lot depends in the final pieces with Yamamoto, Yamamoto and obviously Pugliarvi, how he negotiates and manages those two situations. So we'll see about that. So, David, as you know how arbitration works, it's based on points per game. Uh, which is always going to work to the advantage of players that are playing in Edmonton on a team with McDavid and Drysaddle. Um, you think the Oilers can get both got realistically, based on what they have left? Can they get both guys uh, signed? Because I don't. I'm not sure they can. Yeah, Bob. It's I don't like. I don't know. You'd have to look at points per game. Like, what do you think the points per game translates into the what, what dollar figure per year? Do you see that coming out? Is like, is it in the three million dollar range? If it is, then no. If it's in the two million dollar range for both players, then then there might it's be not a, a chance. It's in the two million dollar range. That's All right. Just, if it's in the it's, yeah, it's then, then be I, north, would, I agree with you. It's north of two point six for both players. Oh, north of two point six. So it's it might be below three though. Highly unlike. Well, I, I would say Yamamoto is probably going to come in lower than Paul Yarby. It based on if you if you take a look at the last couple of years, which they often do. Uh, I, I think that uh, Paul Yarby has a more compelling case in arbitration than Yamamoto. Paul Yarby did have a pretty good uh, points per sixty at even strength this year. It was it was kind of low second line level scoring. So if it's based on that, yeah, then then he'll he'll probably get league average maybe in in terms of his which would be about three point two. So that would be really that you know based on the orders cap situation that might make it hard to keep Pulleyarvi. But I mean, then can you trade him? Like, who's going to do other teams value him enough then to trade for a player at that? I'm not even sure they can contract. get a like. The thing is, there's teams with money they're not spending. Anaheim and Arizona aren't spending any money. Arizona has four second round picks in 2025. If one of those guys makes it, they're not playing until 2028, 20, 2029. They won't even trade. Like, I'm telling you right now, that I'm not sure they can get a second-round pick for Jesse at, at this time. Maybe it changes, but at this time. And part of it is because of where he's going to come at uh, numbers-wise in arbitration. Yeah, it's... It comes down to the cap, and those teams are smart because the longer they wait with that cap space, sure. the more dear it becomes, and the better the, the harder the bargain they're going to be able to drive as this summer goes on and teams go through the arbitration process with all of their players. So, yeah, it's a really tough situation. And, um, you know, if the owners end up having to keep Pulley and that somehow everyone can get their heads around that on both sides, um, 
might not be the worst thing in the world because I think he is a very promising hockey player who performs at a at a reasonable level. So uh, it, it, you know, it might mean moving something else. It is a bit painful though. Um, so we'll see what happens. All right, David Staples joining us, Cult of Hockey. David, the Oilers' defense uh, probably not quite a finished project yet. Do they need more skill or more toughness? Bob, I think to to climb uh, Mount Avalanche, you know, Mount Everest for the Oilers, it's more skill. You look at the top end talent on the Avalanche blue line, and they've got McCarr, uh, they've got um, Devin Taves, and they've got Bowen Byram. You know, three players who absolutely uh, kick butt moving the puck. Three players, I think, who are all in the top 10 for points per 60 for NHL Demon. McCarr at his own level as an NHL puck mover. And to combat that, you know, you could try to, to, you know, go be team thug and brutalize them. But I don't think that works in the modern NHL, and I don't think the Oilers are can be that team. That's not their identity. That's not how they're going to play. I think they're going to play fast and aggressive and relentless. And I think they need more skill. The, the we, You know, I think it's a bit of an illusion or recency bias about the Oilers not having toughness on the blue line. Darnell Nurse wasn't able to play tough, as tough as he is in the playoffs. I think Darnell Nurse would have been a monster physically in the playoffs, but because of his injury, he was limited in how he could hit. The Avalanche, they have some big tough guys there. They have no one, I don't think, who is mobile and physical like Darnell Nurse can be in a short series. So I think be, be, because we didn't see that, we might have the impression, all oh, the Oilers need to be more tough. But I think they have that in Nurse. CeCe's a tough guy. They have, And if they go with the 11-7 formation, which I think they're going to do. Uh, I don't think they're going to. I don't think. Don't, I think they're going to go more 12-6. and six. Well, they've got Nima Linen. Sam Arukov, DeHarnay. They've got all of these guys uh, who could play in the seventh role who are extremely tough. Um, Nima Leinen is an absolute monster back there. So they have players coming up who can play that tough role. Um, I don't, you know, the, the, the key is going to be puck moving, moving that puck fast, attacking fast, getting the, if you can bottle the avalanche up and they have to dump it in, retrieving the puck, getting that puck out fast, being smart and sure with the puck. And the owners have a pretty good group for that. And they're going to need internal improvement from this group on that. And I think they're going to get it from players like uh, Bouchard and Brobery. But they're going to need that, Bob, in, in order to beat the abs. And I think they have enough toughness already in Darnell Nurse and others to to um, to face up to the abs. Yeah, uh, between Nimalainen, uh, Samarukov, and Deherney, they need one of those guys by this time next year to be a part of their regular rotation. And part of it is they're going to need one of those guys at the price point that they would be playing at, which is at a million bucks or left. David, how do people follow you? Uh, at the Cult of Hockey on Twitter or at D Staples on Twitter. Awesome stuff. Thank you for your time, David. Thanks, Bob. It is 123 at Edmonton. We'll take a quick timeout. You're listening to Oilers Now. Celebrating Chris Cornell today. What a voice. You know, I can remember when that song uh, first hit the charts with the GNR. Spring, summer 1989. Manitowoc, Ontario. I hate to admit it as a Western Canadian and an Albertan. But we had an entire camp full of kids from uh, 
McGill and bishops and queens, and they were all Montreal Canadiens fans. And uh, a buddy of mine, Ashram Mustafa, whose brother Suresh was later the student union president at the University of Alberta, uh, Ash and myself and uh, a couple other guys from Alberta went up. We lied about never planting before. Told them we were complete raw rookies. We'd already been doing it for three or four years. But uh, when we'd watch the games at night, because we were in a hunting lodge, that's where our camp was that year, the whole camp was cheering for the Montreal Canadiens in the Stanley Cup final. And we weren't that disappointed to see the Flames win. Now, through, you know, working in the... And at that time, I was doing the Golden Bears uh, during the course of the season. But now, uh, you know, having the privilege to be an Oilers broadcaster, living the Battle of Alberta, doing a show with segments with a guy like Mark Spector, who wrote the definitive book on the Battle of Alberta. I I even had greater respect for the Calgary Flames after reading the book and, and talking to the great Oilers Hall of Fame players who, you know, totally thought that, you know, Jim Poplinski would have been a great Edmonton Oiler. Hard nosed Calgary Flame. So I appreciate and love the Battle of Alberta. <laughs> and uh, I admit, 1989, I wasn't that disappointed to see them beat the Montreal Canadiens. Even though I grew up as a Canadiens fan before the orders got in the National Hockey League. The uh, vehicle pipeline is moving. Our friends at Brent Ridge Ford finally have a few units in stock and more on the way. Check uh, with Uncle Milt, Johnny, and Rich to see if they've got the right vehicle for you. If not, they can still order one to the exact specifications that you want, but hurry because the order bank is getting full. If you want to be treated fairly when you purchase a vehicle and get outstanding service, call a gang at Brent Ridge Ford, one 877 That's one 877 Brent Ridge Ford is your Ford truck authority on the Auto Mile out in Watasco. And I'm going to see Milt coming up in a couple days from now, so I'm looking forward to that. All right, here we go. You can text us at 780-496-0063. Bob, FYI, Colorado had a lot of team toughness. Cadre, Landeskog, Johnson & Johnson, Manson, McKinnon, and McDermott, all are decently tough, and the rest are not weaklings. McCarr and Taze are not wimpy. Rantanen is uh, a strong guy. There you go. Uh, Mike says, Bob, somebody should tell David Staples that it's Broberg, not Broberry. Uh, not the first time I've heard him say that. I think it's just a pronunciation thing. Brandon in Windsor says the Oilers should pick up Jacob Chikrin. I do not see that happen. Uh, Bob, Manson can play, plus he's got better hockey sense than Darnell Nurse. He doesn't skate like Darnell Nurse, in fairness. Uh, Bob, it should be mentioned the uh, Avalanche had issues with the St. Louis Blues. I'm here right now to tell you that if Connor McDavid, uh, you know, I mean, Connor was pretty good in the series against Colorado. If Leon Dreisettle and Darnell Nurse had are 100%, the Oilers don't lose four straight. I mean, they were just too... Now, that said, Colorado is better. The better team won. They won in four straight games. They just don't win in four straight if the Oilers have, you know, had a little bit more juice in their lineup and injuries were a factor. I mean, when two of your three best players are compromised, it's an issue. You look at what happened to Tampa Bay. They didn't have a healthy Braden Point against uh, the Avalanche, ultimately. Played a factor. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Kevin Robertson. And when we come back... We will hear from Frank Saravelli from Daily Faceoff at 129 in Edmonton. This is Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.